Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week. How are you, my friend? Uh, very good, very good. This was a uh, very enjoyable um, prep. Um, but a little bit different from the previous week, so... Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's it's interesting because we listened to three albums and it was easier for me to digest than the one Emperor album. So that, that's something, I guess. Well, we, we will talk all things ad infinitum as we do a career retrospective. Our first of what I can only assume will be a number of Prog Power related episodes in the coming weeks and months. But before we get there, I just wanted to mention a few things. You, you mentioned... Uh, Emperor, and I, I don't think we've recorded since I saw them last Sunday. So I just wanted to p- kind of memorialize that show uh, in a number of um, in a number of ways. First of all, this was one of the most astounding shows I've ever seen for a multitude of reasons. They were not playing in Manhattan like most bands do. They actually played in Brooklyn at the King's Theater, and for those that have never been there, it is a really in many ways, majestic and regal-looking theater in in, um, the Flatbush section of Brooklyn, a gorgeous venue that typically holds 3,000 people. And what they did was, and I'm kind of happy they did, they removed a number of seats from the floor so that the floor seats were kind of the back half of the floor section of the arena. And in front was general admission, which quite frankly, I think they had to do for the show. If it was seated seats only it would have just been like nuts um but they they removed the seats and they crammed even more people in there so this show had to have had close to 3500 people at it it was packed and um even though i was in the second row of seats i was you know maybe 20 rows from the stage when you factor in the sea of people but it it was it was I stood the whole time because just the way the seats are configured, you kind of had to stand to see over the, the sea of humanity that was in front of me. But God, what a show. I I, I can't believe that um, they sounded this good. When you factor in not only Isan singing, you know, those vocals that he somehow can still pull off, you know, here 27 years, 25 years later, what have you, but also that the the, the barrage of drumming combined with the, majestic keyboards in many ways, which is not really a word that I think most people would use to describe Emperor, but that's how they come across live. The mix was just so fantastic that I legitimately think that if you were at the show, you would have been like, this is really cool. Uh, I think so too. I, I even, um, you know, I'd mentioned this in, during our, uh, our Patreon uh, monthly, ch- you know, video chat that we had the other night. Um, even the, like cell phone videos that I saw, like to me s- sounded better than the actual album. Not, I mean, not better, like obviously not better, but like Clearer. something, ab- yeah, something about it just, um, you could just tell. I mean, I guess we were just at a point where we've seen so many cell phone shot videos and you can kind of tell like when it, it co- where it sounds really crisp. And, uh, I, I was, I was impressed. I, I probably would have, uh, would have enjoyed it. I don't know if I would have paid the the, the steep price it would have cost to see a, a show that I didn't have a, a massive interest in. But uh, I, I, everyone I've talked to that was uh, that was there was uh, very pleased and had nothing but good things to say. So um, 
Yeah, good. Um, that was a good uh, uh, timely episode that you uh, chose to do. So um... selfish, uh, if nothing else. But uh, with that, a shout out to all the patrons that uh, the Patreon fans that joined us for our monthly chat. We appreciate the support. It was awesome to uh, catch up with so many of you from all around the world at um, odd hours, as it might have been for for some. But uh, we look forward to doing it again and invite everybody else who's either checking out the show for the first time or somebody that's been on the fence, join our Patreon, join the community. I, I, I trust you will think it is worth it with the bonus episodes and the early releases, and, and if nothing else, the ad-free versions of the podcast. So uh, come check us out. Uh, we, we, is- had, we had people from such far and wondrous lands as Australia, as Denmark, and Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. To say nothing of the, uh, the New York contingent. So it was, it was a good time. And, uh, I suspect is going to be, uh, even more the next time. So it's, it was definitely, uh, definitely fun. So thanks again to everyone for their support. But in addition to Emperor, you actually sent me two tracks this week, both of which I found to be quite interesting. Um, and coming from two different places. The first, the first was, um, an Amar- the new Amaranth single called Damnation Flame. And apparently they released it in conjunction with the fact that they announced a new vocalist for the band. Apparently they have a new uh, growling male vocalist. His name is Michael Sellen. I've, I'm not familiar with any of his other work, but honestly he kind of fit right in. I thought the single was pretty good actually. And this is a band that admittedly has kind of lost me over time. I love their debut album, which we covered in the archives way it's got to be over two years ago now, I think. I since... don't think we did. We talked about their newest album. I don't think we oh, ever talked yeah. about their You know what? I stand corrected. We, talk, we did. You're, you're absolutely right. We talked about their newest album at the time. Um, but to say, no, I'm sure I mentioned it then, we've, they, they've kind of lost me a little bit. Not that it's bad, but I, I like that first album so much and it's kind of fallen off a little bit. But this this sounded good. It sounded like there was new life in the band, the mature, the. Uh, songwriting a bit more mature i think and and i'm gonna give the album a a fair listen when it comes out um later this year yeah uh i think this is now their third uh what do you want to call it uh their death vocalist growling vocalist yeah uh, sure i like it extreme vocalist um they so they've had they're on their second clean male vocalist their third uh harsh male vocalist and still with their original uh elise um the original uh, clean female vocalist, but uh, yeah, they are always just hit or miss for me. I thought this was more on the hit end of things, so I- I'm looking forward to uh, to hearing uh, hearing this. There's definitely I got a little bit of amaranth from from Ad Infinitum this week, so we'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit about that when we get to it. Um, I agree with you, um, but only in certain spots. Yeah, and I won't spoil it, but I would almost be willing to bet that we heard it on the same tracks because, well, I just think that it's that pronounced in, in many respects. But in addition to the uh, Amaranth album, you sent me the first single or the first, I guess we'll just call it the first single from Mark Hudson, who is the vocalist for Dragon Force. He announced his first solo album, which is due out August 25th. It's called Starbound Stories. And he released this single for, I think it was called Astra Live, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? I believe it is. And this was a really pleasant surprise. I, I, I think he's a very good vocalist. 
And when I heard this song, it, it actually made me think of a friend of mine, not because of the song itself, but he, a friend of mine hates solo albums. And when the band or the artist tries to do a solo album that's in a completely different vein, he will inevitably say, stick to what works. Don't deviate from the formula. But when he will, re- when they release a solo album, that's just like their other material, his response is, why don't they ever expand their horizons? So you can't please this guy, but I find it funny because um, this, this was definitely in the latter camp. This is uh, dragon force 2.0 everything from the vocals all the way down to the music. But what was interesting to me is that he, the the lineup here is fascinating in a number of ways. First of all, the keyboard player is a guy I've never heard of by the name of Shaz D, but the guitar player is Frederick Leclerc, who's currently in creator, although this sounds nothing like creator and uh, the bass player, or sorry, I should say the drummer is Rich Smith, formerly of, Power Quest, yes. So I, you, you, when you mix Dragon Force and Power Quest, which is a formula that's been going back now for over 20 years, you can kind of guess what this is going to sound like. And it was quite good. I enjoyed it a lot. I, I have to assume you did I as well. I had no idea that this was even a thing. It was actually Rich who posted the video. Uh, I noticed it on his one of his social media things. And um, so I checked it out and I looked it up and sure enough, he's the drummer. So that would probably explain why he was sharing it, but uh, it's quite good. It actually gave me a bit of a, more of a, a early Dragon Force vibe, if yeah. anything else, which is odd because Mark wasn't even their singer at the time, but um, just good stuff. Um, you know, Rich has always had a, a connection with, with Dragon Force. Um, he, you know, he was in a, a IMI with, um, you know, former uh, Dragon Force vocalist uh, uh, ZP Thirt the Art Thirt Thart. Uh, never knew how to say that. So, <laughs> Still sorry. don't know how to say it. ZP. If you're listening, I apologize. Uh, and uh, yeah, so um, it was cool to see him on here. He's a really talented drummer and a really nice guy. So uh, cool to see. Um, and uh, Metal- also was not familiar with Shaz Z. So that makes. That makes two of us, but somebody you are familiar with and um, Metal Exchange alum, uh, Adrian Cowan, does a guest spot on this, so that'll be cool to hear as well. I wasn't sure if you knew that. Yeah, I did see that in the press release, so that's exciting. Um, a couple of Japanese artists, too, so I'm wondering if there's going to be a little bit of a, a, a Eastern uh, flair to this. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of it, but this was, a, like you said, a very, um, very pleasant surprise. Um, speaking of which... Um, I listened to an album this week that you had recommended that I ended up really enjoying more than I think I would have thought. And I think even more than you thought, but I'm sure you mentioned it when you first heard it, but uh, I'll repeat it. It's a a melodic doom metal album by a band called Fires in the Distance. Uh, The album was called Air Not Meant For Us. Um, I, I enjoyed the hell out of this. Like even I listened to that first 10 almost 11 minute track and i was hooked like right off the bat i i I like this a lot it's uh it's something i'm probably going to go back to i don't know if it makes the list at the end of the year but it may um i just i like this a lot and that was really um pleasant surprise um i feel like the first quarter of the year like really started out strong for me and then i've been kind of struggling with with finding stuff that really grabbed me in the second quarter, although one of those albums we'll be talking about in, uh, in full shortly, but, um, 
yeah, this was great. And uh, I thank you for the recommendation. And I'm glad that you thought that I might enjoy it because I, I absolutely did. I was floored by this album. I really enjoyed it. It is, without giving too much away, uh, you know, I have this running list. It is squarely in the top 50 at this point, of which the list is not complete. But I don't see it getting bumped just because there's six months left in the year. And I just don't see how many albums could possibly push this that far down the list. I think for me, the only question is how far uh, or where it winds up, if you will. This was just a perfect blend of that doom sound that you'd hear with a candle mass or something like that. But with enough going on with the keyboards that I said to myself, you know what? There's a real chance that you could really grow to like this thing. So I, I, I just thought of you as, as you know, keeping an open mind. And as we've checked out some, you know, more extreme metal stuff over the, uh, over the years, not that doom metal is, is that extreme, but between the doom and the black and the, you know, the thrash, I said, there's a, I think there's a chance for this one because of the keyboards. And I'm, I'm glad I was right. Yeah. The orchestrations, I think really put it over the top and, and not so much uh, keyboards as much as it is like actual piano, or I mean, it could just be really good keyboard tracks that sound like a piano, but I mean, it sounds like you're listening to a legit piano and, and it's just, um, really, really beautiful orchestrations. The vocals were, um, not terribly offensive to me. I mean, they are pretty much like what you'd expect from a growly kind of doom metal album, but I mean, it didn't take away from the experience. So uh, if that's kind of your thing, um, I think you should check it out. And even if it's not, I mean, it's definitely not my thing and I enjoyed the hell out of it. So And, and they're from Connecticut. So I have to think that they're going to play. They've been announcing shows for quite a while, actually. I know that they're playing Albany um, next month. They're playing all around Massachusetts and Maine. I haven't seen a New York City date. I haven't seen an upstate uh, New York date up near you. Um, But I have to think it's coming. So I I look forward to catching them live sooner rather than later. Um, It's it's very refreshing to see some of these, like, really good uh, U.S. bands start to poke their head out, you know? Um, Yeah. I feel like we kind of had, like, a a kind of a, I don't know, like a dry spell. And now we have, you know, bands like Seven Spires and Seven Kingdoms and uh, a lot of Seven bands. Um, but, you know, the, um, the, this band, Will to Run, I mean, there's just a lot of uh, a lot of good bands coming out of the U.S., which is, is nice to see. And uh, like I said, I mentioned in passing a couple of weeks ago that there was an album that completely and utterly blew me away. Um, that I, I can't really get into details at this point, but I will in due time. But it's, it was Angus McSix, wasn't it? Was, it? it was Angus McSix. You, you are <laughs> absolutely right. No, but th- th- this other band happens to be an American band as well, and um, their future is beyond bright. So it's, it's to your point, lots of very good American bands that are popping up in all sorts of genres, uh, everything from prog to thrash to, you know, to melodic doom. So you're covering all the bases here, which is awesome. Did you, did you have a chance to hear anything else or basically focusing on uh, Ad Infinitum? Yeah, I mean that was I, I probably listened to some other stuff, but that cool. I really wanted to um, point that one out. Um, cool. Uh, I'll you know, man, I, I was gonna say maybe I'll wait till next week, but I mean it, we're we're gonna have some real heavy episodes the next uh, few weeks. I think maybe towards the end of the uh, the episode, if you think uh, it's appropriate, we can kind of let the cat out of the bag of what's going on for the next few weeks, or pretty yeah. much how the rest of. Uh, how the rest of July is going to shake out. But um, yeah, for the most part, um, 
uh, I did listen to mostly Ad Infinitum. There was a few new singles that came out that I really have not had a chance to listen to yet, but um, I'm looking forward to hearing. And I, um, you had recommended this Enter Polaris uh, double album that um, I plan on checking that out. Um, I think you're um, only going to like one of them, though. I think that you know, as I as I dove deep into that second disc, it's a little too. Uh, I liked it. I want to be clear. I liked it. I don't think you will like it. I think it's going to be on the drier side of prog rock, whereas the first album is straight up power metal, which is awesome, by the way. So a really interesting release. And then I guess they have two more albums coming out that are in different genres from from those two. So I don't know if it's a death metal thing or whatever, but uh, definitely talented songwriters that they can kind of touch upon all these different genres in, in releases in short succession too. They're all coming out, I think this year and next. So pretty interesting yeah. stuff. And the other thing that, um, that dropped today was a, um, there's a new single from, uh, I guess they're now going by the Cryptex, not just Cryptex. I don't know if there was, uh, some sort of, uh, other band or other entity that was known as Cryptex, but, um, it looks like on the new cover art for their, uh, their new album, uh, which is going to be called Nimbus. Um, they're now called the Cryptex. Uh, they will be opening the uh, day three of Prog Power this year. Um, and uh, they, th- so yeah, their album's coming out at the end of September. And um, they released the second single, Fall Down. Um, I didn't even know they released the first single. So I grabbed the first single today. I haven't had a chance to listen to that. That song is called Cobra. So they have two singles. Um, I, I believe. Uh, they will um, maybe be selling an advanced copy of the album at Prog Power. That would be kind of cool. But um, yeah, I, this is a band I really need to listen to more of leading into the festival because I feel like I'm going to really enjoy them. I, I think that's fair. And I did hear that they were releasing the album, I think about a month early at the festival or at the very least a couple of weeks. So that'll be uh, something to definitely check out. And uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that we should normal. I think we should announce the schedule for the rest of the month, which we normally don't do. But um, to be fair, because of the amount of prep that was involved in this, we couldn't just leave it to the week before for some of these uh, upcoming weeks or upcoming episodes. So we'll kind of let the cat out of the bag, and then we'll leave the uh, the surprise for our August request. But um, with that all being said. Ad Infinitum, a career retrospective, and it comes in as a request um, from one of our patrons and one of our friends, uh, Amy, who I think had some words to say about it. So why don't we lead with with her thoughts and then we'll kind of get into uh, the band and and the three albums and and go, you know, kind of deep into it. Yeah, so uh, Amy had a short but sweet comment and she just said, uh, I love the first album in the trilogy and then each one just got better. I'm thrilled to be able to see them live in September and can't wait to hear the discussion between Justin and Chris on all three albums. So thank you, Amy. Thank you for your uh, patronage and your friendship. Um, and we, we are looking forward to uh, talking about this. Um, I mean, still pretty up and coming band, I would say. I mean, this is a, uh, gotta be our first career retrospective of a band that hasn't been around for very long. Yeah, so this is a band that within a very short three years or four years has literally put out three albums and an acoustic version of one of those albums. So they are releasing material fast and furiously. 
And I, I guess it really all started back in 2018. And it was kind of the brainchild in many ways of their singer, Melissa Bonnie. What happened was she was, you know, doing her thing in, in her other band called Rage of Light, who I think they're now defunct. And then all of a sudden she releases a single back in November of 2018 called I Am The Storm from their debut album. Uh, and it was rec- recorded with Timo Somers from Delane, um, who we've talked about uh, at various points on the show. And they crowdfunded an album, which was apparently an overwhelming success. And with that, they were able to release their debut in 2020 called Chapter One Monarchy. And I remember when this album came out, I remember when the single came out, and I was just floored by this new voice on the scene and this melodic, uh, catchy, symphonic metal that you know I can... I appreciate when it's done well and they would release a acoustic album later that year called chapter one revisited. And it was basically the same album, but all acoustic. And the next year they came out with chapter two legacy, which was a real favorite of mine. That album, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was in the top either top seven or eight of, of the year that it came out. If I'm not mistaken, in fact, I'm going to check right now. Uh, it was, it was number eight for, for my album of the year. And I think it was number five for you going back to my notes. So that was an album we both adored. And then ultimately they came out with chapter three downfall this year. I, I have to think it's the end of the trilogy and they'll go into something a little different on the next album to be determined. But yeah, in a nutshell, you're talking about three full-length releases in a matter of four years, which is pretty remarkable in this day where it seems like a lot of bands are taking four years to release one album, if not more. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, I don't know, I don't know why, but I felt like the debut album had a lot of um, hype for a band that didn't actually exist. It, it reminded me a bit of when Amaranth's first album came out, and like everybody was talking about it, and it's like, well. This band doesn't exist yet, so like, where, where, are we, why are we so excited about it? But it, I think it was very much uh, deserved after um, after listening to it. Um, yeah, so uh, you know, Melissa's uh, from Switzerland, lives in Denmark with uh, her boyfriend, who happens to be the drummer from Amaranth, Martin Sorensen, um, who I think is still in Amaranth. It's kind of hard to keep track as we mentioned earlier, but uh, have you verified this information or is this um, off the cuff or did they, did they check in with you? I'm looking into it. Uh, I'm going (laughs) to probably ask her in person at Prague power right before the, uh, you know, restraining order gets, uh, gets slapped on me, but um, I I know a guy don't, don't, I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it's interesting because, you know, you hear a lot of stories about how, you know, um, a bunch of guys start a band and they get a, a female vocalist and, and she might not have a lot of, of, of like creative, you know, creative input in the beginning of the band. And, you know, eventually she does as time goes on. But in this case, it's like, she was like at the forefront of getting this band started, writing music, writing lyrics, um, which is really, uh, really amazing. You know, not even to, to, to speak of the fact that she's, um, incredibly talented vocalists in two completely different styles of vocals, uh, which we haven't really got into, but, um, you know, she can do some really frightening growls and she also has a very, very beautiful, uh, you know, clean, clean vocal. So, um, just a very, uh, very talented lady. And, um, you get a, a lot of, of both of them. I mean, it's more clean than, than, than growly, but, um, 
there's definitely plenty of uh, plenty of growls uh, to kind of give it a little bit more of a an edge. I feel. And now I think you're starting to really see the fruits of that labor because she's toured with Camelot, you know, coming out on songs like, uh, I have to think like, you know, that song from the Black Halo where they, I think it used to be with Simone Simmons from um, Epica. So it's kind of like, she's the, and other songs on the new album as well. She's kind of their, their resident vocalist at this point to say nothing of just a million guest appearances on other albums. I mean, I count too many to name, um, and other projects that she's working on, like Dark Side of the Moon, which you referenced last week, and, and other projects as well. I think she was with Fuhrenschwanz at Prague Power at um, 70,000 tons. So she's she's been kind of everywhere. And I, I mentioned her earlier in a completely different context, but I, I think in many ways that her and Adrian Cowan are the two preeminent younger symphonic metal vocalists both of whom do the dual style mind you um but they are leading the charge in in a number of ways because not only are they everywhere but whatever they're on seems to kind of hit and they are both phenomenal songwriters and you know wonderful vocalists to boot the Midas touch they both have exactly well well said and so you know it's funny where we're, as you mentioned it's a career retrospective on a band who's been around for a hot second but like I said, I, re- I remember when that debut album Monarchy came out and I was just really, really impressed by that album. I said to myself, if this is any indication of what this band is going to be, um, we're in for a real treat, simply put. And and there was so much to like. Um, I don't want to say that there was anything brand new that was kind of um, – on the album it was nothing that you had never heard before but it was done really well and this was another album that was in my top 50 the year it came out in 2020 it it wasn't it didn't crack the top 10 it was i think somewhere in the 30s or early 40s but it was it was an album that left an impression on me because i really liked it a lot and what i can say is this Going into this week, I had preconceived notions about this band, and I knew all of these albums fairly well, but I thought certain things, and after kind of diving deep back into this stuff, my impressions changed completely about certain things about the band and the albums, and then I said, this just doesn't make sense to me because it's not the way I remembered it so clearly, and we're not going back very far so I did another listen today. I listened to all three of their albums today in preparation for, for this recording. And I think I'm back in line with what I originally thought. I just needed a little <laughs> bit of a break because I think I was having a temporary lapse of judgment or sanity on certain things. And I'll, I'll kind of walk you through what those things were because they're interesting. But um, I'm grounded now. I, I have my thoughts on this band. And I think that um, I, I think that they have a very bright future with a caveat, but I'll get to that at the end. Yeah. Well said. I, I kind of went on my own journey with this, uh, with these albums as well. Um, but, uh, it's, it's interesting to like, to, to say that the band's going to have a bright future. Cause I agree, but I mean, they've already, like you said, they put out three albums and an acoustic album and, um, and are very playing festivals all over the world. Yeah, they're very and... accomplished for a new band. I mean, they've been a, a straight up band for only three years. Um, you know, like you said before, uh, Melissa kind of wrote that, you know, released that I am the storm song as a single in 2018. But um, yeah, I mean, only one, uh, only one me- member change. Um, 
the original bassist Jonas Asplund um, plays bass on the first album. He had to leave the band due to an injury, I believe. And um, he was replaced by, uh, I believe it's Corbinian Benedict. Uh, what an epic name, by the way. And, um, <laughs> and then the other, uh, the other founding members are uh, guitarist Adrian uh, Thessenvitz and uh, drummer Nicholas Mueller. So um, that, that kind of... Uh, Pretty much, it's a way easier, uh, way easier personnel rundown than going through like Halloween or, or, or when uh, you tried to do the Power Quest lineup. Yeah, which was like <laughs> you were getting guys that were in and out of the band bef- in between albums. It was yeah, it was second only to Ingve when it comes to uh, band member changes. But uh, so yeah, that one was pretty pretty easy. I think I, I think I pronounced everyone's name correctly. Uh, <laughs> so um, that's pretty much. Uh, all there is as far as, uh, you know, maneuverings as far as, uh, personnel goes. But, um, tell me what your, um, your, your preconceived thoughts were on the first album, uh, and how they may or may not have changed, uh, upon revisiting it. I remember, as I said, it was a top 50 disc. The album went the year that it came out. It was an album that I remembered being very, very, simple and straightforward they the maturity hadn't been there yet but it was catchy as hell and in many ways uh laying the foundation for what would uh, what i expected to be some better music going forward even though i like this um this is a very good album and when i listened to it it was actually in many ways, better than I remembered it. Um, the only thing I would say is for a self-produced debut album, sounds great, but it, you could tell that within by the second album and definitely the third album, but even by the second album, the production budget was markedly higher. Um, just because even though the first album sounds great, and it does, it just doesn't have that same level of orchestration that you'd hear on the second album but the songs are really catchy. And I think that if this was like something sent to me as a demo or as a promo, I would have been telling everybody I knew about this band just because I think the foundation was laid pretty clearly on, on Monarch on Monarchy. Uh, that's really well said. Um, I felt, you know, I also listened to all three albums again, uh, to the first two last night and the, the third one right before we started recording. And, I felt as if the first album was the most symphonic or the most or, or the most orchestral I, I really should say. I feel like there was more orchestrations very like Camelot-esque just those very sweeping uh I felt like that wasn't as prominent on the following albums um but uh, yeah, I, I too. I didn't remember I, I ranked this album so high the year it came out, and as I've re-listened to it, um, I can see why. Uh, it, it's really just one banger after another. Um, you know, kicking off with um, "Infected Monarchy," which I think is like a very like Hamlet esque intro, where it kind of has like a, a kind of a. Um, kind of like a mid like a mid-tempo kind of march to it. it actually reminds me a little bit of um stream of passion in, in some mm. ways um I, I, th- I get a lot a lot of different flavors of different bands as i listen to this band and i'll mention them as i come on but um yeah i think this is a really solid opening track 
I, I agree, and I also agree with you. I hear Camelot through and through. Now that you mention Stream of Passion, I can kind of hear it, but to me, this is a Camelot-inspired track. And as soon as those church bells kick in and you have that very symphonic intro, you know what this band is. They're melodic, not not overly uh, technical, not overly um, quick, or the delivery isn't uh, that of a Dragon Force or something like that. But it's it's you can tell this is going to be very anthemic and chorus driven, and that's what this track is, and and I like it, but. Um, my, my my issue with the band, and, and I think that I'm going to say it once to try not to repeat myself, is that as great as the tracks are, and as much as I enjoy every album, there's a bit of a sameness quality to the cadence on a lot of these tracks. And so it's great in the moment, but if I was to go back and say which track is markedly better than the other, especially on this album, difficult to do. And I'll give you a perfect example. Marching on Versailles another mid like pace track and it basically is a different melody but it has the same overall feel and cadence in my opinion to that of the first track um very movie soundtrack-esque and and a very simple simple but like whimsical chorus to it but i like it it's repetitive but enjoyable but again is it that much better or worse than the the first track no i'd say it's about the same uh, I like this song a lot more than the first track. Do actually. you? It's actually okay. my favorite song on the album, and it's my favorite ad infinitum song. Period. Um, really? Okay. It, I just I find it constantly creeping back into my head. Um, it's it's just it's got like all that great. Um, this one, I, I don't. Epica and Camelot are fairly similar in ways. This is kind of more of an Epica esque kind of tune but um i just really like just it's so powerful um even though it is kind of that same tempo um i mean there's not really a ton of like speedy songs that this band does which is usually my kind of you know area um but um oh my god i just love just the the orchestrations are, are just so earwormy um i love this song i really do and and it's the song i always end up getting stuck in my head i end up going back to it um and yeah unfortunately it's coming incredibly early in our in our retrospective but uh this is gonna be my uh my song of the week and and definitely my favorite song on on chapter one monarchy so why don't we give it a, a listen and we'll we'll come back this was your final chance a chance you didn't take like the lightning we will fall
So we get to Maleficent, which is a heavier tune, a darker tune, maybe a drop faster. I, I don't know. But this song is really led by like the drums and the bass with a very melodic chorus. And, and I got to be honest, it's kind of gimmicky, but I love when the music cuts out and then all of a sudden the vocals kick in um, is, is, is right before the instrumental section. It's like one of those cheesy gimmicks that bands do, but they do it well. Um and I, I think the growls here are fantastic, and it really, much like on the prior track, I think they let, lend a really nice. Um, they, they add just enough of a flavor to it that it doesn't stay boring, and it's a really enjoyable track. Yeah, agreed. Um, I, there's certain parts that where Melissa sings that um, reminds me a lot of Charlotte Wessel's uh, formerly of Delane, uh, and that I, I get a little bit of that on this track, and then then she starts letting out growls, and then you're like, nah, Charlotte wouldn't do that. So, <laughs> yeah. um, No, they yeah, definitely but, can see the differences between the two of them. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I do hear Delane here in, in spots as well, this being one of them. Yeah, solid tune. And then we go to See You in Hell, which is, a, I'll be honest, not my song of the week, but a song that just gets stuck in your head. It's been stuck in my head since I heard it at 7.30 this morning on my way to work. Um, and any song that starts with Melissa, Bonnie, and a harp, you, you got me hooked. I, I'm hooked. And and I love the layered vocals on this thing. You think it's going to be a ballad, and then all of a sudden this riff kicks in, and it just kind of kicks your butt. Um, the violin and the harp kind of set this thing apart, and it's one of my favorite tracks on the album. The idea of commuting into New York City to a song called See You in Hell really Apropos. makes sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, no argument here. Yeah, this is, one of my fa- this is one of my favorite songs on this album and, and one of my favorite uh, Ad Infinitum songs. Just, um, again, like much like um, Marching on Versailles, it's just got a very powerful uh, orchestral kind of marching um, tempo to it. And I just, um, I really like this song a lot. What do you think of I Am The Storm, which again was kind of like the song that kicked things off for the band? Yeah, this one is more of that, like you know, up tempo, speedier kind of song. The, the the sweeping orchestrations are very Camelot-esque, in my opinion. Um, this is another really. I mean, this this album is just like one really good song after another. I I I like this album a lot, um, and I I really like this song as well. I think this is a an excellent tune. How about you? And it, and it stands out from the mid pace stuff before it, and I think that that's part of the reason this really resonates with me. It's not my song of the week, but it easily would be my song of the week if we did this as a standalone album i like the song that much this is this is less symphonic metal and more straight up power metal but they do it really well and the orchestration during the chorus pops like crazy and then there's this crazy aggressive bridge with the growls which just really um is the perfect bridge no pun intended to to this like fairy tale like ballad section of the song just well constructed and you can definitely hear the delane influence on this one but i i like it a lot yeah yeah uh, definitely well said um i i think people probably would have assumed that would have been my favorite song on on the album I would have. it's probably it's probably a, a pretty close number two um fire and ice is another one where uh, it again it kind of goes back to that mid mid tempo vibe it's a little bit more moody a little bit more has a kind of quality to it although i wouldn't call it a straight up ballad but um another really good tune this was one of um uh what how many there was um five five singles from this album um and this was the this was a fifth of the of the five um 
I Am the Storm being the first, and then um, they did singles for Marching on Versailles, See You in Hell, and then um, Live Before You Die, which is the next track. But uh, before we talk about that, your thoughts on Fire and Ice? I don't love it. I think it's one of my two least favorite songs on the album, and, and that doesn't mean I don't like the album. I want to be clear. The album's great, and there's a reason why I had it ranked as highly as I did. And even revisiting it, I'm like, it's a really solid album. It's mixed exceptionally well, and there's a nice crunch in the chorus, which I really enjoy. I just find it to be somewhat underwhelming and weaker by comparison to the other stuff. So again, not like a song you'd skip, but just something missing. Whereas the next track, Live Before You Die, is a song that really just doesn't waste any time. There's no ballad-like quality to this one. It's just a solid riff. And some really upbeat drums. Like when I say upbeat, I mean just like the drum pills and the drum patterns are really kind of upbeat and and and, and positive in many ways, much like the lyrical content that kind of accompanies it. Um, nothing you haven't heard before, I want to be clear, but it's just really well done. You move your head to the beat. And I love again a, another wonderful bridge that leads to like this big chorus. Um, where the vocals go up an octave, which is, again, another gimmick, but call me a sucker for gimmicks. I think it's done well here. I I have a feeling you like this one as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, Another, just another, another heavy hitter, in my opinion. Again, this is another single that they released, but um, yeah, uh, I don't have anything to add that you didn't just say. I thought that was perfectly, uh, perfectly sad. Great tune. So we get to Revenge, which has this like, hauntingly beautiful intro that reminds me so much of Nightwish and not only Nightwish, but like this quirky scare tale vibe to it. Um, but just different pacing, but just the vibe of the song reminds me of scare tale by Nightwish. Um, a little proggy, probably their most well composed tune, I think on the album. And it drives me nuts because every time I hear this, I hear When I listen to the pre-chorus, it reminds me of something and I cannot put my finger on it. And I've listened to it probably 10 times this week, going back to it, hoping it was going to jog my memory. But unfortunately, it didn't. Um, But I do like the cadence, the progginess of the cadence through this thing. I just wish I could tell you what it reminded me of. Uh, It reminded me of Delane a lot. Um, Okay. uh, Maybe even a little better within Temptation, but um, just... uh... I, I really like that, just that part where she's singing, I believe, like it, it sounds like Charlotte a lot in a lot of ways, but um, this is the song that really reminded me, I think the most of Delane of any of the tracks on this album, but in, again, another another song I like quite a bit. And, and you're right, it does have kind of a creepy kind of scare tale ish uh, beginning. And then we get to the last two tracks, Demons and Tell Me Why, starting with Demons. Any thoughts about this one or as we get towards the back end of the album? This one's a little bit on the faster side um, than some of the previous tracks, although I don't know that I like it as much as um, most of the rest of the album. It's a, it's a, it's a solid tune, but um, probably towards the bottom of my favorite tracks on this album. Although that's not really a knock because I really, really like this album, but um, I just, uh, it's a little bit weaker than the, the rest for me. It gives me a strong Delane vibe on this one. This one to me is the one that screams Delane. Although I, I think I like this song more than you do. I actually think it's arguably the perfect penultimate track. It is upbeat, certainly, 
which you kind of need as you get to the back end of an album, but it's not not so cheesy that it takes you out of the moment. And I think the growls during the chorus are just fantastic. So I, I actually like this song a lot. It's one of my, I don't know, it's probably in the top half of songs on the album for me. And then it ends with this song that Tell Me Why, where I, I, I remember the first time I heard it, I thought it was going to be a true ballad, but it's really more of a, a power ballad. This is the other song on the album that just, doesn't click for me. This is this is a snoozer for me. I think it's fine. It's just not as catchy as the others, and it, it left me wanting more. And, and fortunately, more was to come very very soon, a year later. Um, but something about this is a little droning to me, and I don't quite know why. And it takes it away. You know, again, not bad. Just not my favorite by any stretch. Yeah, it's um, I kind of I like it a little bit more than the previous track. But again, like there's so many heavy hitters, kind of really from like track one through, you know, eight, seven, uh, you know, seven or eight. I don't know, man. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's a very, very epic, uh, very epic and orchestral symphonic kind of tune. And, and again, like it, it, rem- it just made me think about in general, um, just, I feel like this was their most symphonic and orchestral album. Um, I feel like the, the the later albums, there's a bit more of an electronic vibe and less of that kind of classic, like, you know, symphony orchestra kind of sound, which um, is neither, you know, good nor bad, just, uh, just a little bit different. Um, but I think that that is what kind of made that first album uh, stand out to me was just kind of that just... Um, that you know, Camelot, Epica, Nightwish—you know, just that symphonic power metal vibe that I think they just did really, really well. So to that point, I definitely agree that there's a much more of an electronic vibe, especially in spots on that third album, the one that came out earlier this year. I don't hear it as much on Chapter Two, but um, to that end. I am happy that they started dabbling in these other areas and it certainly doesn't overpower the album, but we'll get to that in a minute. It's this first disc is only about 43 minutes long. So you're in, you're out, you get a taste of the band, but you kind of find yourself wanting to go back to the beginning and listening to it again. I'm curious though, to see how it ranks in comparison to the other two albums. What are you rating this on a scale of one to 10 for this uh, debut monarchy? Uh, I give it a nine. I think it's just a wow. Really, yeah, I just think it's a really excellent album, and um, yeah, I just I, going back to it just kind of reminded me how much, um, especially those handful of songs. You know, uh, almost the entirety of the first eight tracks are just songs I absolutely love. So um, it, it's it's a really high score for me, and. I uh, I just love it. I, I it was a pleasure to go back and listen to it again. I kind of forgot what it f- sounded like on a whole. Like I, I had gone back to certain tracks here and there, but I hadn't gone back and listened to the album start to finish um, in a long time. And so it was just uh, really good. I mean, it's it's as good as a band could hope for a, a debut album. I can't give it a nine. Uh, although I liked it a lot. It was a 7.75 for me, which for a debut album is a fantastic score. Um, a shade below your Sonata Artica, Eclipticas, and your Angra Angels Cry, but a, a very, very good score for a debut. What's interesting, though, is when I went back and I listened to Chapter 2 Legacy, 
in my head, this was going to be the far and away best album that I think that they had ever done to this early you know, point in their career. However, when I went back and listened to it, I don't know if it was the day I was having or what was going on, but I was like, man, this is kind of overrated by my standards. I don't know why I put it in my top 10 for the year that I listened to it. Not that I didn't enjoy it. I, I thought it was good, but it didn't really... I don't know. I thought something was missing. And then I said to myself, uh, something is amiss here. I got to go back and I got to you know, kind of give this some more listens. So I listened to it again this morning, as I mentioned, and I'm like, yeah, I was, it must have been the mood of the day. And that's why I always give these albums multiple listens when we record. This to me is their definitive work. Not that the new album is bad. I Like I said, it's going to be in my top 50 when it's all said and done. But this album is absolutely fantastic. It takes the debut... It adds better production, a little more uh, pizzazz and flavor to it, but a maturity in the songwriting, which although it's in the same style, I think takes things to a whole nother level. And I, I, I could see, especially today, why I like this album as much as I did two years ago when I first heard it. Interesting. Yeah, I, um, I know I really liked it when it came out because I ranked it really high and, and in a vacuum – it's a re- I think it's a really good album. It's just that every time I listen to it, I listen to it right after the first album, which I just don't think that it, I don't think it's as good as the first album. I Interesting. Just, yeah. I, I just think um, it might be a little, it might be more balanced, but I don't think that it comes, it doesn't have as many heavy hitters. Um, and I think that's kind of where I find the album to be a, a slightly less less than the first personally well let's get into it uh shall we it starts with a song called reinvented and for my money it's just an absolute perfect opener it's short it's catchy but yet it certainly retains that core sound of the band it's a little repetitive but it's so short that it almost doesn't feel like it's overdone and then it's just this big chorus with this heavy orchestration on top and then of course as they've done on the first album, the band eventually comes back after the instrumental section and they go up an octave. Uh, again, gimmicky, but but they they are they're painting the right numbers here. I I think it's a very good opening track. It's not my favorite on the album, but it's a good good opener. Yeah, I think it it also kind of fits what they did on the first album. I feel like it kind of um, would have fit in on that album. I don't think anybody would have questioned it. It's it's it does have those uh, does have that you know, those orchestrations and stuff that I was saying were in the, on the first one. And uh, yeah, solid tune. I like this one. Um, and then- again, again, the band released a ton of singles. Um, they released uh, singles for um, Unstoppable, Afterlife, Animals, and Inferno. So um, did you, did you happen to listen to the acoustic version of the first album or? Due to lack of time, I didn't. I think it's really going to be more of a pleasure project for me after we record to go back to it. But I, I know it well enough, and it's actually really good. I, I didn't mention it because it's kind of, you know, I'm not going to start talking about all the same tracks again. But if you like acoustic material, you could find a lot worse than that album. I was kind of hoping they did it for all three of the albums, but it was seemed like it was a one and done. Yeah, I, yeah, well said. I, I definitely think it's worth checking out. It's really good. Their music um, really lends well to um, an acoustic setting. 
Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, getting back to chapter two, um, what did you think of Unstoppable? So I, I vividly remember this coming out as a single. I know it's one of the four or so on the album. It has a similar cadence, I think, to the to the prior track, but the drums of, of all things really stand out here. I think some of the drum fills are really nice little things throughout that kind of keep this moving. Um, what I found is that the instrumental section was actually a, just a bit more robust than the prior track with a fantastic guitar solo. And I haven't mentioned that um, to you know, since we started with talking about the band, but the guitar solo on this one, really, really good. And you can almost feel the emotion in the solo. This is one of my favorite tracks on the album. And I think it's a worthy single. Uh, Yeah, it's a really good tune. Um, I think Melissa's vocals of all kinds are really excellent here. Uh, You hear those really high ooze that kind of gave me a little bit of, again, of Charlotte vibe and um but then go and then it goes just right into the growls like it just uh really just impressive i'm I'm looking forward to seeing how she balances these types of vocals in a live setting going back and forth um spoiler seamlessly oh well there seamlessly. you go um, but uh i'll let you, you know do even a band as, as seasoned as scar symmetry needs to have separate singers to handle their uh their growls and their their cleans separately and and so you know melissa's got a leg up on them but uh I thought this was a, one of those songs that's just a really good example of how she, how well she does both of those, uh, both styles. Nice. I, I like it. Um, as we kind of march through the, the rest of this album, talk to me about Inferno, because this one's a bit of a slow starter, almost like a ballad, but it, it becomes upbeat pretty quickly. Yeah, it's another one of those really like, it's what's becoming in the classic ad infinitum, like mid-tempo, marchy kind of tune, very epic Um I don't think that it quite lives up to some of the, like, you know, the marching on Versailles of the world from that first album. I don't know. That that song is just, like, untouchable for me for whatever reason. But uh, it's a, it, it is a solid, it is definitely a solid song. And, uh, like, again, like, every every song on this album is, is really good. Um, it's just, it for me, it just lacks, like, some of those home run tracks that were on that first album. Even though probably the worst songs... Uh, on the first album are worse than the worst songs on this album, if that if that makes sense. It does. I think it definitely is more balanced. I really th- – this this is actually one of my least favorite tracks on the album, and yet I still like it more than certain songs on the debut. So that that's, that's kind of what I think about this track. It reminds me in many ways of Visions of Atlantis, um, who's another band I look forward to seeing. So um, that will be a lot of fun. But it's just – to me, the song itself is not very memorable. What I what I think when I think hear this song, I just think of it almost as a Melissa Bonnie solo song because she just shines on this thing over mediocre music, I guess. Um, whereas the next song is a lot more enjoyable to me. It's it's repetitive as well. It's called Your Enemy. Here it's the low end. It's the bass and the drums that really kind of drive this thing. It has a bit of a lacuna coil vibe, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, it's gothic. It's dark, but it's got a catchy chorus chorus that hooks you again with the dual vocals throughout, which is, which is kind of nice. I I like this song more than, more than Inferno. Yeah. This, um, this one gave me Amaranth vibes, kind of like a more of the like mid tempo, less techno-y, less like synthy kind of Amaranth type song. Um, but, uh, yeah, solid. Um, another very good song. Uh, I, I, I'm going to leave the the details to you, I think, on a lot of these tracks because you uh, 
have a, an eloquence about you that I, I'm not quite able to to oh, verbalize. Uh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, so keep keep, let, the, let, keep keep up the verbosity. I I, I I will do my best. Let's let's talk afterlife. This is the first guest appearance uh, I think that we have on one of their tracks, and it's bun- none other than Nils Mollen from the aforementioned Amaranth and Dynasty. Um, what's interesting to me is I don't think I ever appreciated this track as much as I did this morning when I heard it. For some reason, I always kind of knew it was there and knew it as a t- tune that I liked. This song's awesome, man. It has this beauty and a beast quality to it that is very enjoyable, a very powerful blend of vocals and a really good chorus. It's actually, I think, one of the better power battles that you'll hear. And um, I like how Nils actually sings the second verse. He'll do leads on the on the actual verse itself. And I think that at the end of the track, Melissa Bonney's really pushing her vocals, which is something that you, I don't know that she's been had done to this point in the discography. I, I like this track a lot. It just took me a while to get there. I think it's funny that you used the Beauty and the Beast uh, kind of way to describe it because typically Melissa's doing both. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. So now it's like, you know, this song was the song I remembered most from this album. And I think just because Nils was on it, it gave it a bit of a, a different flavor than, than the previous songs. But And I reserve the right to change my mind by the end of this discussion, but I do think this is my favorite song on this album. And I think that they're duet is just really well done um the fact that the chorus is sung by both of them simultaneously i think just it's it's almost like uh kind of like hearing two great band you know two great singers from two great bands come together to do a track together um i just really like this song it's a really powerful and catchy song i agree with uh everything that you had to say what do you think of uh breathe which is the next track um, let's see. I'm trying to remember it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, this one also kind of has a, um, a ballady quality to it. I would say it's even more ballady than the previous track. Very, um, very emotion. It's a very emotional track. I feel, um, you know, the, the guitar, the guitar solo feels emotional. Like it's just a very, um, I don't know. Would you say, I feel like this might be like their most power ballad song we've talked about so far. It, it could be. What's it, This is a little bit of a weird track for me. It's a track that I'd like to hear live. I think it's a little bit underwhelming on the disc. The way it starts out with the keyboards reminds me of something you would have heard from Skylark back in 1998, going back 25 years, which is not necessarily a compliment, even though they were a very keyboard laden band. It was a little bit cheesy, I guess, just the way that it's presented. But for some reason, um, even though I'm sure song- Falco Orlandini appreciates the, <laughs> the, the mention, and and to the twelve people that are listening that know who that is, congrats to you. But um, what I like about the track is it is melodic and it's powerful, and it certainly is more in the power ballad vein. Uh, the, the, the bass lines actually stand out here. It's the first time I can say that I really noticed bass lines on, on some of their stuff. But again, I, I'd like to hear it in a live setting, although I doubt they play it. Yeah. I, I have no idea what the, really what to expect uh, as far as what they're going to play. And I think I'm going to go into the set blind and just be surprised. Um, yep. but I, I don't think either one of us have really mentioned, mentioned it in particular so far, but, um, Adrian's guitar playing is really, really solid. Like throughout the the, the album, the I think the guitar solos are 
really good and and I, I think they should be uh pointed out because I feel like sometimes this can seem like it's a one person show because Melissa is just such a, a force that not to mention that she's quite pleasant to look at as well but um Adrian's guitar work is is phenomenal and uh you know just listen to any of the the guitar solos on this album and you'll hear this is a very accomplished guitar player. Yeah, no 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 doubt about it. Um underrated I guess in many regards cuz he's never talked about but he does a really nice job on some of this stuff. Um and that kind of concludes the first half of the album and the single or another single for the song Animals is kind of kicks off the second half of the album. And this is the song that I remember grabbing me the first time that I listened to the album because it really in many ways sounds a bit like an outlier. It's a little bit different than some of the other tracks. Um, that being said, the chorus has an April rain vibe and I love that album as we've talked about in the archives. So I think that that's part of the allure for me and this, these groovy bass lines that kind of, um, I don't want to say stand out, but they help drive the track. Really, really good stuff. I am hoping they play this song live because, and I have a feeling they will. I I love this track. Easily a song of the week contender on on this album, no doubt about it. But not my song of the week. Uh, Yeah, big fan of this. Maybe my favorite chorus of any Ad Ad Infinitum song. I just, um, I think it just is such such a catchy earworm type of chorus just really grabs you every time and uh yeah definitely can picking up picking up some of these delane vibes it's kind of funny that these bands that we're comparing them to are all going to be playing a prog power camelot delane visions uh, of atlantis yeah visions of atlantis uh oh, that's a, a a a rant and rave for another day because i am so excited about the lineup this year um which we will certainly get yeah, to but uh, um, yeah this is a good one i'd love to hear this this much, live as well. much like their uh, first track ever, I think Into the Night is another real power metal tune. It seems like they sprinkle these songs in there, but it it, it helps with the pacing and the and the um just the, the the makes the listening experience I think a little more pleasing. And I like how growls the growls actually kick this song off. It's a bit different, um, but at the same time, the album needed a banger, and I think this is this is definitely it. I definitely hear a Seven Spires vibe on this track, and I don't know if that was intentional. I'm, I'm inclined to think it wasn't, but this is a really good tune, and I think it actually should have been towards the front of the disc um, because it almost gets buried in the middle, but this is a really short but sweet tune. Yeah, I kind of like that Like these really faster tunes from them are, are actually the, the exception to the rule um, because they really seem to... Um, their their comfort zone really seems to be that mid tempo marching kind of. I mean, literally, one of the songs has the word marching in it. Um, but uh, yeah, this is another one of those good, like, really faster tracks. I, I'm trying to put my finger on like what it. It reminds me of something. I'm not going to think of it right now. But yeah, a really just solid, fast paced tune. And and like you said, it is. I think it, it helps this album feels like it has more uh, variations uh, as far as tempos and styles go um, and than I the think, first one did. And I think that that is part of the allure for me just because I crave that nowadays. And and I think that's actually on full display with Son of Wallachia, which is the next track. A lot of heavy orchestration on this one, almost like a movie score. And I like how um, it's 
it's a little slower. It's more deliberate. But at the end of the day, I think that I like the fact that it has that movie score vibe to it. It's not my favorite track or anything like that. But I think the clean vocals are just phenomenal. And I think that that's one of the highlights of this particular song, just the way that the, the vocals shine through. Uh, yeah, well said. Uh, I think, yeah, we're kind of back to that um, kind of that mid-tempo gate, but they, you know, they do it well. And uh, it's a memorable, catchy song, like, like pretty much most of them tend to be. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about that. Um, the next track is called My Justice your pain and it starts with this really interesting drum fill at the beginning which again different ways to start all these tracks this one has a bit of a 90s alt rock feel to it oh my god green day it reminds me of green day am i wrong or like i mean obviously but it reminded me of like 21st century breakdown green day like even so right right yeah um i love that the way it kicks off with the her and just just her and the drums really cool uh but yeah um there's a Green Day song from 21st Century Breakdown. I don't remember which one it was, but it reminds me a lot of this song. Um, yeah, but, and uh, it's, it's it's very catchy, and it's blending that alt rock sound, but maintaining their core, you know, their core sound as well. I, I think it's a very poppy tune, and I don't care. I love it. I think this is, um, with the exception, of course, of the growls. This is actually one of my favorite songs by the band, just because they they went outside their comfort zone, probably for the first time. Great tune, great tune, and and I highly recommend that people check it check it out. Yeah, this is one of my probably one in my top three on this album. Big big fan of this one. Uh, hope they play this one live too. Yeah, I I would be again pleasantly surprised, but very happy um, nonetheless. We get to haunted, which starts with this like piano, almost like a waltz like quality to it. When the band kicks in, it really does kind of hit you in the face pretty quickly. It packs a punch. Um, I, I would say this is one of the more underrated tunes on the album, in my opinion. I think that there's a lot here to like, and it almost sway to the beat as you're banging your head, which is kind of a cool thing. What do you think of Haunted? Uh, I think you're right on. It, it's kind of it's interesting because it goes from that like poppy, almost punk, punky kind of tune and then they go right back to like what what they do so well yeah this it's got a little bit of a castlevania kind of uh just a haunting kind of tune but you know just uh again another really good song i I can't really say anything bad about any of these songs they're all just really good (laughs) if if you know you mentioned earlier about how she, how does she kind of go in and out of the vocal styles and how does she pull off both live? I don't know that there's a better example of that than Lullaby. It's the way this goes out. It's it's very orchestration heavy, but she goes in and out of these vocals, the both the growls and the cleans, so seamlessly that I almost want to hear the song live just to hear whether or not she can pull that off. Um, a really, really big pre-chorus followed up by an even bigger bombastic chorus. This is a cool song just because of the way it builds and it's well-placed at the very end of the album. Yeah, uh, very well said. I, 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 I stand corrected. This album was more orchestral, like more symphonic than I thought. Yeah, um, yeah. I, 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 I might have been, been thinking more about the third album, which I think kind of strays a bit go. from that. But I um, agree with that, yeah. Yeah, uh, I think that it's it's pretty on par, if not you know, very close to uh, chapter one as far as just the um, 
It might have been just because, you know, there are a couple of songs that, like My Justice, Your Pain, that kind of stray. It almost like you're getting that kind of hint of what's to come on that, on the third album with a song like that. And maybe that's why. I don't know why I had that in my head. But yeah, now that I'm kind of re-listening to this a bit, it, it really is very symphonic in retrospect. So does that change your score at all? Or uh, what are we giving this? Yeah, I mean, I still think that it's a shade under the, the debut, but uh, I still give it a very high 8.5. Okay, so interesting because I give it an eight and a quarter and it's my favorite album. But at the end of the day, I think it's a great album and I very much look forward to hearing this stuff live. Um, Oddly enough, that that means that we have the same average score on the for, on the two albums uh, with a 8.375. <laughs> No, because it was mine's at eight point two five. So I'm, I'm, right now I'm averaging an eight. Right, but I'm saying that we averaged eight point three f- three seven five on the first album, and we're averaging eight point three seven five on the second album. Oh, between you put the a- between our averages. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's right. It's so because I brought it up, and that makes sense. And I, I can do math for all, for all those listening. But you know, <laughs> I, I now I understand what you're saying. Um, will we average an eight point three seven five on the last album? I don't know. Let's stay tuned. Um, this album came out earlier this year. I played the hell out of it. I, I I think I liked it more when I first heard it a bunch of times. As I went back to it, I like how they push the envelope with some of the songwriting. As I mentioned, they they kind of go in a bit of an electronic vibe here, even more so than the prior disc. I hear lots of amaranth on this on this track on these tracks. It's very good, but interestingly enough, I actually think the back half of this disc blows away the first half. And I don't know if that was on purpose or what, but this finishes really strong. But the first half of this album is good. The second half is great. And I'm wondering if you agree with the overall sentiment or if you think that the uh, first half is just loaded with, with great tunes. Um, You know what? I'll... I'll save that for towards the end because as we go through it, it I'll, it'll kind of. Ju- I mean, I just listened to this a, like an hour ago, but like, um, as we talk about it, I, I don't know if I agree or not. Um, so okay. we'll kind of make our way through it, but I definitely do agree that um, there's a bit less of the the orchestra vibe, and and I think that that was kind of a welcome change for me. Um, I this I, just as a spoiler alert, this is going to be on my year-end list unless 50 well not not 50 but unless like 40 really <laughs> albums that blow it out of the water come oh, out same, the same, months. same. i so, think it's, um, i think it's a little more commercial sounding i think that they were trying to almost get the radio play with this one not that they were actually going to get on the radio with it but you understand what i mean like they were trying to get on liquid metal or something yeah and i and i do wonder if i i don't know if there's um just uh any sort of thought process to create creative wise uh, for the like is this the third of three chapters is every album going to be a chapter until chapter 12 retirement uh you know like <laughs> is it going to be like led zeppelin where they just number everything um or is it is this just a a trilogy and then we move on from that after this i don't know so i don't know if there was a, a mindset as far as like each album is supposed to represent a certain type of sound or a lyrical theme not really sure um but um a good I, question to ask before the restraining order kicks in yeah so i'll, I'll see how many questions i could get in before i get a <laughs> Maybe not. Not maybe I won't get, say arrested. Uh, that might be going a little, a little too far. Um, 
who knows? Uh, maybe maybe she'll think I'm charming. I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, uh, I completely lost my train of thought. So now you say things. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll say this. Let's 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 get into the album. Let's let's kind of get through this one, and then um, I'll share some final thoughts. the The song that kicks this off is called "Eternal Rains," and it's pretty standard fare, I think, for them at this point. It's your mid paced banger, heavy low end, with these angelic vocals over the top um i think it's one of the more memorable catchy choruses on the album and just overall a very easy listen but it's not my favorite song because i've heard it done by them now at this point for two albums yeah i really like this one just uh, it really kicks things off i think in a very uh upbeat sort of way like very energetic um so yeah, good good stuff. This is a this is a meaty album. It's got fourteen songs on it. So yeah, um, it's it's very dense. Uh, it, but yeah. but they they're all short, so they move. It moves pretty quickly. It's um, also the I, first album where the uh, the album art actually shows the rest of the band. Um, not the, the first two albums, they're wearing their. Uh, I don't know. I I, I I don't think it's correct, but they look like the spy versus spy masks. I'm yeah, sure exactly. Like a real a real name for that, or it's from something, and it's just um, I don't know. Uh, but um, this one actually shows the other three guys' uh, faces. So uh, I was wondering if they were going to show up on stage with the masks on, but I'm guessing based on this album art, they're probably not. I, I I'm going to guess not, but nothing would surprise me. Um, I think the next track, Upside Down, is a little bit um, lighter and airier than the prior track. And this one, to me, has a huge electronic feel. This, to me, is like Amaranth personified, uh, like this and one or two other tracks on this album. Great drum fills. It's the kind of chorus that makes you want to jump up and down to the song. I I like this a lot, and I like it much better than the first track, if I'm being honest. Yeah, very uh, Amaranth vibes. Definitely, uh, definitely got that electronic kind of vibe to it. Um, but then yet still has like those um, orchestrations to it as well. Like really interesting all- combo of, of yeah. those two, two, two kind of styles. It was also the first single on the album, which makes a lot of sense. I think I, to me, it, I, I can totally hear that and why they chose it because it's just so catchy. And then ultimately what would become the third single is this song called Seth. I don't appreciate this song as much as I probably should. And I can't, I can't really pinpoint why it's a little slower. It kind of reminds me of the first track in many ways, but for some reason, this song has just never clicked for me. And it's among my least favorite in their catalog. I I really like this song, so I don't know what your problem is. (laughs) Neither do I. I can't, I can't. What about it? Do you like, I don't know. It's just good. It's just, uh, it, it, um, it kind of reminded me a little bit of, I think, like uh, maybe a, an earlier Within Temptation kind of tune. But um, I don't know. Again, it's it's just that kind of uh, mid-tempo, like really marchy, just catchy song that Ad Infinitum does so well. Um, I really like this tune. And this was, uh, yeah, like you said, another, uh, another single. Um, but um, I liked it. Um, it also has a little bit of a... Of a tinge of a, of a amaranth um melodically vibe to it yeah I, I can i can hear that um let's let's move away from this because we i think we just disagree i for some reason it just never clicked and i'm sure they'll play it yeah, live and i'm it, sure it I'll happens we, we, beer we don't agree on everything it's okay 
but but do we agree on from the ashes this is by their standards the epic on the album at a, at a whopping four minutes and 41 seconds and this thing is basically an ode to thomas youngblood and his guitar playing with camelot i just hear youngblood riffs through and through on this thing and i like the like the uh the pacing on the verses. And I don't even know if this is a word, but is it syncopated? Like that's the word I want to say when I hear the, ver- when I, when I hear the verses on this thing, there's a great song sandwiched between two singles. And I would argue um, the best of the three, even though it's not a, even though I think it might've been the last single released. Yes, definite, definite like Camelot vibes for sure. But with some, uh, a little bit of like, like again, a little bit of that electronic, kind of vibe that I think was very um, absent from the first two albums. Um, But uh, yeah, very catchy tune and uh, definitely makes uh, sense that this was chosen as a single for sure. But yet they also picked somewhere better as a single. And this one, I just don't understand as well. Um, A good song. It reminds me of early Delane, just not quite as good, I guess. It has a bit of an ambient sound to it, which is something different. So I'll give credit for, for trying something do, uh, new, but it's a little paint by numbers for me. And it just is a song that not really, I think there's better songs on the album. The one thing I'll say though, is there's this section of vocals that's almost like sultry in nature. I thought that was kind of cool. But other than that, it's this one's a little bit of a miss for me. I I, I like it. Um, probably not as much as you do or or probably like it more than you do i should say um uh again though like you said like there's definitely a um kind of a a a radio vibe going on here um and but that actually kind of works for me um you know uh, because i just i I like that kind of commercial kind of vibe to it and and so this this track kind of i dig um it's not my favorite but uh it's it's good um yeah i like this one for my money, the album really picks up now with un- the underworld, and and for the rest of this album, I-, I just think that now they start really kind of getting into a groove. This is more upbeat; it's more of a power metal tune, and I love the the way they use the growls. It almost gives off like a machine supremacy vibe to this track. Really, really like modern and and electronic sounding. Um, one of my absolute favorites from the disc and a song that I find myself gravitating towards in part because it's just unique and different. And they were at least pushing the boundaries on something like this. Um, Noteworthy because it has this very thick guitar tone, which is something they almost like a genty feel to it. Uh, This would be a song of the week contender for me. Uh, It's so funny you said that because I got the same vibe. Like it reminded me of Voyager. Like, Like the guitar, that kind of just crunchy, like guitar um it it comes up again on this album too but yeah i wasn't sure if if gent was going to be the right word for it so i'm glad you said it before i did um because i don't really think i understand what gent even means but um it just (laughs) it reminded me of those kind of bands that are often lumped into the gent conversation um but yeah i I thought that was a really cool uh addition to the the whole uh presentation um and and this is again one of the faster tunes so it just kind of has a real catchy um just fun and and infectious quality to it yeah i i well said i i agree with that and i think that the next track raven uh, ravenous has a similar feel to it not in terms of 
style. I think it's very different sounding, but it's just very catchy. Uh, the vocal lines kind of make you sway to the beat on this one. And the way it opens up, you almost feel like you're on the Serengeti Plains with like this. Wow. Yeah, I don't, I don't ask me why, but that's that's where I put myself <laughs> with this one. Um, almost like tribal drumming in spots. It, it, to me, this has a strong Within Temptation feel to it. Yeah, definitely agree there. Um, a solid tune. Not sure it's one of my favorites on the album, but again, like there, there it's three albums and none of them. There's there's not one bad song on on all three albums. So if you're waiting for us to pan something, you know you're gonna have to keep waiting for another. Maybe their fourth album will have something shitty on it. <laughs> um, Under the burning skies, the next track is like a real ballad, and and it's something that. Y- you know, they've kind of touched upon on, on the other albums, but I think here you get it in full effect. What do you think of it? Like, um, like a, like a real true Camelot ballad to me, you know, like just very, very symphonic, but you would think that they would have done more of these kind of songs up until this point, because Melissa's voice is so, so beautiful that like it lends really well to this kind of song, but uh very, very emotional, very, I, I think it's done really well, and and the way that it, the second half really picks up with the uh, orchestrations, um, just really really solid tunes. Arguably my favorite of their um, mellower songs. I I agree. I just feel like the payoff at the end should have been a little bit bigger and more grandiose. Um, it's almost like what could have been. It's a great song, but I feel like it could have been just a touch better as if I know how to write a song, but like towards the end, I feel like they could have done just a little bit more with it, but still an enjoyable ballad and, and something I hope that they kind of delve into a little bit more going forward. Well put, well put. Now let's talk about architect of paradise because this is a song. I don't think I ever hear anyone mention. I don't, I didn't see it really talked about in many of the reviews that I read at the time that the album came out, but this is a really good song and a favorite of mine from the album. Um, I think the chorus really kind of opens this up, but the entire song is driven by that thick low end sound, but I think it's really well done. And I think for an album where the orchestration is lacking a little bit compared to the first two, it pops on this one. And I like that a lot. Yeah. Again, uh, you're, you're taking, uh, I wouldn't say you're taking the words right out of my mouth cause I don't have the words. So you're taking the words out of my, my brain as I struggle to, for, formulate uh, English sentences describing this music, but um, yes, uh, I I like this one too. Well, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you the floor with the serpent's downfall because this is another one that kind of gives off ballady vibes to it, and also has a bit of an electronic feel. But it's neither one of those things, I guess. Really, talk to me about that this track and what you think of it. It um yeah, like you said, it, it starts out. I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd call it ballady. It's just very, very chill. And then um, it it definitely it picks up about a, a minute to a minute and a half into it, um, and goes back to that kind of mid tempo marching kind of vibe that that the band does so well. Um, again, this is another track that kind of reminds me of Delane in 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 certain ways, but um, again. Um, really solid and it's right that wheelhouse that that ad infinitum does so well that just it's to me it's difficult to write catchy mid-tempo songs that have a marching cadence 
And they're so good at doing that, at, at having like these mid-tempo hooks that just get stuck in your brain. Yeah, I think that's extremely well said. Um, this is a song that has consistently gotten in my head from the first time I heard it, and it was no different this week. The one caveat being I don't love the chorus. I think that the rest of the song is great. I think the chorus is kind of mediocre, but it's so catchy that it doesn't matter. And by that, I mean the whole song. Really, really good song. Um, I like it a lot. And then we get into New Dawn, which is another song that's not only well-placed on the album, but a radio-friendly tune in, in many ways, just with a heavier low end. This has a serious Taylor Swift vibe to me. And it's funny because we've talked about her now multiple times in the last month. I hear Taylor Swift on this thing, but at the same time, I want to roll down the windows. I want to blast this song and I don't care who's listening. You had picked the second song in their discography as your song of the week. I'm picking the second to last song on this album as my song of the week, not including the bonus tracks. New Dawn is my, 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 uh, my song of the week. And I don't care what anyone else thinks. Play the song, and I want to get your thoughts. I, I'm sorry that they had to listen to us talk for that long in between tracks, but <laughs> here, here it is. Another sunrise, another day, another miracle, or so they say. Under the moonlight, pledging my tears to build a Talk to me about New Dawn. What are your thoughts? I, I loved what you had to say about it. Um, it's arguably their most just there's something just so like life affirming about it. It just yeah. feels like a really upbeat and, and positive kind of song. I, I really like it too, and and uh, I don't uh, judge you in the least bit for choosing it for your song of the week. I think it's interesting that we chose the second track and the second to last track as as our favorites uh, thus uh like i said before um cramming in about an hour of us yammering on about <laughs> this band in between but uh you know what it is what it is uh good tune and um i, I think well placed towards the end of the album as well yeah i i agree and then that brings us to legends which is really the Last track before uh, two instrumental bonus tracks that are kind of smashed on at the end of this thing. This is interesting because it starts with this spoken word intro, which is not something they really have employed throughout their entire career. And it's an interesting last track. It almost feels like a bonus track itself. It's a little bit different than the rest of the album. But at the same time, I think it's very enjoyable. A great guitar solo with just like a pleasant beat to it. Um Arguably, arguably could have opened the album with this, perhaps. Um, but at the same time, it's it's powerful and diverse enough that it, it makes for a good ending track. I, I like it a lot. Yeah, really solid tune. Chorus, again, giving me some of those Delane vibes. Um, 
Which, by the way, I love Delane. So when I say that, that's a high compliment. Um, and uh, I stand corrected too. I said earlier there were fourteen tracks, really twelve tracks. And then, like you said, there's two uh, instrumental bonus tracks. Um, I accidentally started listening to one and was kind of like, it took me a second. I wasn't paying attention. I'm like, there's nobody singing. What the hell is going on? So uh, <laughs> now you know why. But yeah, for those um, keeping tracks, for those keeping track at home, um, it's upside down uh, for the second track, and then somewhere better. Two of the. Uh, two of the singles that they released as instrumental tracks. So good stuff, good stuff. And an album that I'm sure we'll be talking about in less detail in our top 50 episode at the end of, at the end of the year. But tell me, tell me, where does this rank for you in terms of the, the pantheon of the three albums? I put it right in between one and two at 8.75. I, I like it a oh, smidge wow. better than chapter two. And I like it a smidge less than chapter one. And I was like, all over the board all week um but i I feel pretty confident i've i've been listening to some of these tracks as we've been talking and it's kind of just uh i think solidified my um confidence in my own scores but uh I, i you know a little peek behind the curtain we were supposed to record this episode a day earlier but i just felt like um i was like laying on the couch thinking about like what i wanted what how i wanted to score these albums and i just drew a complete blank i didn't know like what I felt like one versus the other. And so I really wanted to listen to all three albums again, particularly with headphones and just really, um, really ingest the, the, the song. So um, I feel pretty good about it. I, and I, I, I have a feeling that, um, I mean, Ad, Ad Infinitum has been in the top 10, their first, my top 10, the first two albums they've released. I have a pretty good feeling this one might make my, top 10 this year but uh with a score like that i'd be shocked if it didn't that's a high score to be outside the top 10 yeah i, I it's we'll see um i've listened to a, a handful of pretty good albums this year that i would put in in this uh in this kind of general area but um it's it's kind of come it's becoming a, a pattern i think that whenever they release an album it's one of my favorites of, of the year yeah, I, I well said. It's it's not quite that high for me, although I obviously did enjoy it, and it's on my list as well. It's a seven point seven five for me. I think it's a really good release. I have it kind of similar with that first album, just because I think there's a couple of songs that I didn't care for, so I, I can't rate it that much higher. And I think the high the highs on that second disc or, or that second album are a little bit higher for me. But by and large, three very good releases and a band that I am. Very much looking forward to seeing and sponsoring at Prog Power. One hundred percent, right there with you. Um, I was excited to see them live before we did this. I'm even more excited now, um, and and I just I feel like I've completely uh, jogged my memory on the first two albums, and given the third album a, a handful more listens than I may have otherwise. Um, so I will be pretty much ready for whatever they're they, they're going to throw at us uh, in, in September. I'm 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 pumped. Well, we are we are almost there. And speaking of bands that we're going to be seeing in September, uh, the Halo Effect is back in the studio. They are mixing their second album, which is due out. Um, I don't know. It's going to come out soon. I, I would imagine because they they seem to come out pretty fast. But they're in the studio. They're saying it sounds great. I have no doubt. Um, and I bring this up not only because they're recording a new album, not only because they're playing prog power, but they are 
let's just say on the calendar for uh, this July and and at the metal exchange? Do you want to go through and kind of give a peek behind the curtain into as to as to what people can expect over the next month? Because as I said, due to the sheer volume of material, we needed to kind of map this out at least for the next few weeks. Yeah, and and plus, uh, if uh, if the listeners want to kind of prep themselves, they're probably going to want to have a little bit of extra time. But um, July is going to be kind of our little uh, month of prep for day two of Prague Power, which is um, promoted by Milton Mendonca. Um, he's been a uh, co-promoter of Prague Power for years now, and so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about uh, we're pretty much going to cover every album released by the top, the, the third, fourth and fifth band that's playing on the day one Thursday night, or sorry, the day two Thursday night lineup uh, starting next week with the band that I'm most excited to see at Prog Power above all else. And there's a lot I'm excited about, but this one, is number one for me and that's beast in black doing a headline set uh we're going to talk about all three of their albums uh berserker from hell with love and dark connection um if, if you thought i was excited to talk about ad infinitum this is even more exciting for me because i absolutely adore this band and the band that they kind of came from uh, that they kind of splintered off from which is battle beast who are also going to be playing at Prog power right before at infinitum on, on friday at day three so um that's going to be uh next week the following week we'll be talking about the we're going to do a career retrospective on the halo effect uh and, and because that second have, album will not be out it'll be a one album it'll be a it'll be a ground ball but uh it'll be a good listen because i, I like that album a lot and i think that um there's a lot for you to gravitate there towards as well yeah, they're going to be third on the bill on uh, day two. And um, I listened to the album a couple of times uh, last year, but not as many times as I probably should have. So this is kind of an excuse for uh, for me to to kind of give it a, another listen and, and try to you know get a little bit more excited about their set. Um, we'll follow that up with a an exclusive interview with uh, Milton, the promoter. Uh, we'll talk about... Um, We'll talk about uh, how he came up with this lineup, who he's looking forward to. Maybe uh, ask some questions about some of his, you know, some of the previous things that he's uh, booked. But um, you know, Milton is um, a friend, a, a, a patron to the podcast, and uh, and again, yeah, the promoter for uh, day two of Prog Power. So we're looking forward to having a chat with him. And uh, why don't you uh, spill the beans on the final uh, episode of the month? The final episode of the month, and, and I credit you for this because I have to admit this was your idea. It's going to be a career retrospective on Vola, which is going to be fascinating because it's a band that I really enjoy, although I do have some strong thoughts on, on some of their material. But it's a band that you don't know that much by. So that's going to be a little bit of work for you to kind of dig deep into some of their, especially some of their older material, which I know you haven't heard. I mean, I haven't heard it all. So it's going to be very interesting but i look forward to it because it kind of rounds out um that thursday night lineup and uh is it puts a little prog on the table which we haven't done in, in a little bit of time now well i did i made a promise to our mutual friend tyler and that i said i will i will make my damnedest effort to get into this band bola because he's a big fan um 
in return, he promised he would do his damnedest to get into Beast in Black. And considering that they're the the two top bands on, on day two, um, I thought it would make sense to talk about both in in full. And it also is not too terribly, uh, you know, labor intensive because um, both bands only have three full length albums. Vola has a couple of EPs and a couple of extra tracks, but I think all told they have about the same number of individual uh, unique songs. So, uh, and I just want to be, I think Vola might turn into that band that I end up getting really excited about. So I wanted to make sure I gave them the, the necessary time. So that's July. Uh, and then when we come back in August, we'll have a request, but we'll, uh, we'll save that, uh, towards the end of the month to reveal, um, what that one's going to be. The, the patrons know they, they got the spoiler alert on the, uh, on the video chat this week, but, um, We'll, we'll hold that one close to the, the cards since it's a month away. But, um, yeah, a lot to look forward to. And um... Sometimes I feel like we're a little behind the eight ball here. But at the same time, I think that uh, we're going to catch up well. So it's it, it'll, be, it'll, be very, it'll be a very interesting month here at the Metal Exchange. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, I just think uh, it's kind of interesting because in years past, I know we've talked about, like, you know, really prepping hard for Prog Power. And there was a time where I would listen to every single band, like, as much as I possibly could, just try my my hardest to know everything and at this point it's like i just don't have that kind of time the podcast is kind of part of a reason for that but it also makes for a good excuse to uh to get prepped on bands that i'm truly interested in getting excited about and i have a feeling that um there might be more prog power related stuff come august i don't know if we'll spend the entire month uh doing prog power bands but um i'm sure at least one will will pop up well i think that's a uh, a good way to end it we've gone long with this one we're going to come back next week with some beast in black i am truly truly excited i'm going to lose my mind when i see that band because i i've actually got some really strong thoughts on them when it comes to the first and second album specifically but um yeah let's we'll, we'll leave it there give us a like and a follow if you like what you hear consider joining the patreon we uh, appreciate all those who support the show and we will come back next week Uh, and discuss one of the fastest rising bands in the genre, Beast in Black. Enjoy the week, my friend. I will talk to you soon. I am very excited for next week, but uh, I also really enjoyed this talk. So thanks again to Amy for the request, and uh, we'll see you next week. Take care, my friend. Take care.